Every decision they make can have an effect on our lives. Well, I'm not a crook. We had to push and shove our way through a cloud of several hundred Vietnamese. My fellow Americans, I've said on several occasions that I wouldn't comment about the recent congressional hearings on the Iran-Contra matter. Skies over Baghdad have been illuminated. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Immediately, there's speculation or cause for concern. This is the World Trade Center that was the center of a terrorist bombing. What difference at this point does it make? Protesters have now broken into the U.S. Capitol. This is Our Lives in Politics on the America Out Loud Network with your host Booker Scott and Lou Basada. As I think about what is going on at the border, and the human crisis that it is. We see that now 345,000 children have come across the border unaccompanied. Over 160 countries are represented coming across the border, and now we have Chinese nationals coming across the border in record numbers. What is going on with all of this, and why can't there be accountability? So many of us were frustrated that Kevin McCarthy would be the speaker in the 118th Congress. It took 16 votes for him to finally win that position. Why is that? Because so many of us saw him as weak, feckless. Nothing will happen when the 118th Congress comes into session. And for the most part, all of us that thought that way, we have been correct. There have been a lot of hearings. There is a lot of smoke, but nothing is taking place. And just uh, for an example, as of this moment, there is nothing put in place by the Republicans to combat the huge $4.7 trillion increase in taxes that Joe Biden has put forth. You would think that going back to prior to the midterms in 22 in November, just a few months ago, that the Republicans would have thought they were going to win. We heard for months and months they were going to win and Nancy Pelosi would be gone. And then we heard there would be a big tsunami, a big red tsunami, which didn't really play out, but that's okay. They have enough power to do things if they walk lockstep together. And I believe it's time to start asking questions and start holding our elected officials accountable. I'm Booker Scott, and thanks a lot for joining me here on the America Out Loud Radio Network. This hour is brought to you by 4Patriots.com. Use the code word OUTLOUD for a 10% discount off anything in the store at 4Patriots.com. In this half hour, we're going to look at some hearings. We're going to look at that hearing that took place in Manhattan over D.A. Alvin Bragg, where they took the show on the road with Jim Jordan. But we're going to start with Alejandro Mayorkas and some hearings that took place on Capitol Hill, both in the Senate and in Congress. In the aftermath of 9-11, the department was created to safeguard the American people. This mission includes securing the U.S. borders and approaches. Mr. Secretary, you took an oath where you swore to support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office. Your job is to protect the homeland. And one of those obvious duties is to secure the United States sovereign borders and to implement the laws duly passed by Congress. However, you have not secured our borders, Mr. Secretary, and I believe you've done so intentionally. There is no other explanation for the systematic dismantling and transformation of our border into a lawless and dangerous open border. You've asserted in the past that it's an issue of resources, but the numbers show a very different story. In just the two years of your tenure, 
more people have crossed our southern border into the United States than the previous 12 years of two administrations combined. We see that over 1,400 human beings have died trying to cross that border since Joe Biden came into office. We see over 120,000 Americans that have died from overdoses due to fentanyl, which is made in China, by the way, and it comes across the Mexican border, and now also coming across the Canadian border. Uh, Our borders are porous. Are we a nation of laws? Are we a people of moral values? Because when you look at the human crisis at the border, it goes on. It's more than unaccompanied children. It's more than fentanyl overdose deaths and the human deaths coming across. But it affects each and every one of us at home. In every state in this country, the United States of America, 5 million people coming across the border has a huge effect on us at home. And sure, when we say something against the border and what's happening there, a small minority in this country will say that we're racist, we're bigots, we don't like brown people, and that couldn't be further from the truth. The truth is we are a country of laws, and we either follow the laws, we change the laws, but we do that in the democratic way. We don't just ignore laws. And when our government ignores those laws, there should be accountability, which now gets me back to Kevin McCarthy and his weakness. I wonder exactly how he thinks that doing nothing and letting the Biden administration walk all over him and all over the Republicans, do they think that if we just... If we just don't impeach Mayorkas, if we just lay low, then we're going to get more votes and we're going to have more power. Let me tell you something, Kevin McCarthy and Republicans, it it just doesn't work that way. They don't care. You're going to be painted that way and portrayed that way regardless of what you do. I would suggest that leverage and power comes from impeaching Mayorkas. And and I know, I know people are going to say this. I hear you and I don't disagree with you. That when he is impeached or when he does resign, if that day ever comes, because actually Mayorkas is doing the bidding of Joe Biden. We know that this is a plan. This isn't by accident, but they're still ignoring the laws of this country and someone should be held accountable. So, yes, he probably will be replaced with someone just like him. And I say if he is and if the human crisis at the border doesn't change and people are continuing to die drugs are continuing to come across the border, then that person should be impeached too. And if he replaces him with another one, impeach that person. Don't stop. Have guts. Fight them. If you want leverage for things like the debt ceiling, then act like we have a country of laws. Stand up to them. Don't roll over. But let's get into what happened yesterday in a hearing. Josh Hawley. This is Josh Hawley after questioning Mayorkas in a Senate hearing. You're not going to take any responsibility for the indentured servitude and exploitation of children that is happening on your watch. A moment ago, you were crowing about the fact that you treated children so well, and yet we find tens of thousands of children who are forced to work as slaves 
because of your policies and you turn around and blame a prior administration. Mr. Secretary, this is par for the course for you. You do it every time you appear before this committee. You do it every time you appear before Congress. I, for one, am sick and tired of it. And thousands of children are in physical danger, danger because of what you are doing. You should have resigned long ago. And if you cannot change course, you should be removed from office. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. So more rhetoric in hearings, as always. That's what we hear. But we're not seeing any action. Why not Kevin McCarthy? Why not Republicans? Ron Johnson frequently uh, is a guest on this network, on America Out Loud, on Viewpoint this Sunday with Malcolm. Let's hear him questioning Mayorkas. Mr. Secretary, do you know how many young girls are sex trafficked? Are you following any of those cases? Do you have HSI investigating that form of involuntary servitude because of your open border policies? Our Center for Combating Human Trafficking um, presents one of our greatest priorities within the Department of Homeland Security. It is precisely why I've taken two important steps. Number one, identify for the first time human trafficking and child exploitation as a priority for the Department of Homeland Security. Number two, but, but, you're, but you are failing miserably. Four to five million people, you know, 1.4 million unknown Godaways. We have no idea who those people are, what kind of security they risk. You're not giving me any stats whatsoever in terms of the number of people that are human trafficked, how many young girls are sex trafficked. You don't have a clue. You wouldn't even answer how many dead bodies, which is very well documented, at the border. So there's Senator Ron Johnson questioning Mayorkas. Mayorkas never really has any answers. He sidesteps everything. And what really is going on at the border? Let's go to Carrie Lake. And if I could, I'm going to read a tweet that she put out because it is heartbreaking when you hear these words of a little girl, an eight-year-old girl that was, uh, she was, well, I'm just going to read Carrie Lake's tweet. A precious eight-year-old little girl was found at the border with 67 different traces of DNA inside her. In Joe Biden's America, little girls get raped by 67 different men. Do you not care? Do you not have just an ounce of human compassion for what your open border policy, the type of human depredations it is causing? You just sit there looking with a blank look on your face. And you're saying it's a priority. If it's a priority, how did we let four to five million people in this country in, the, in a little more than two years, four to five million people, the population of 20 to th- almost 30 states, and you're saying this is a priority? Mr. Secretary, you ought to resign. Obviously, we know that uh, Mayorkas is never going to resign. But the question becomes, why aren't the Republicans forcing the hand? Force him to resign or bring the impeachment, Kevin McCarthy and Republicans. What exactly are you waiting for? What what more evidence do you need? It is clearly against the laws of this country what is happening at the border. And we want accountability. And not only that, why do we want accountability? We want accountability because there are people dying every day. That's not important to this administration. This isn't important to Alejandro Mayorkas. And, you know, I'm going to leave the border for a minute because there's another line of questioning that came up in this hearing. 
We all know now that the government did actually spy and censor Americans. We know that. It's proven. It has been in hearings over and over. I have played those clips for you from people under oath testifying. We know the government used and weaponized social media to censor Americans. But now, let's go to uh, former governor of the state of Florida, Rick Scott, who is now a senator, and his questioning of Alejandro Mayorkas. How many people uh, that work in Homeland Security have been accountable for breaking the law? And do you, first off, do you, do you believe that, that um, uh, the government looking at private messages on Twitter is a violation of the law? Um, uh, Senator, uh, we don't uh, censor a speech, so I, I want to... Um Uh, nip uh, that um, misimpression uh, in the bud. Uh, We don't do that. And obviously, Mayorkas is lying again. So what are you waiting on, Republicans? What are you waiting on? Some accountability would be nice. Go on the offensive. Sitting back on your heels isn't going to accomplish anything. Draw up the articles of impeachment. Agree on it. Vote on it. Impeach him in the House of Representatives and send it to the Senate. Have the hearing and let all of the evidence come out in front of the American people. Let the American people see how this Biden administration is breaking our laws, what it is doing to our country and what it is doing to people, to Americans, to the migrants. Human beings are dying every day at the hands of Joe Biden and this administration. Accountability is needed. The 118th Congress didn't just stay in Washington, D.C. They moved to New York for a hearing under Jim Jordan and a probe into the D.A. in Manhattan, Alvin Bragg. The system continues to fail us. We are not safe anymore. Alvin Bragg says it is time to keep his campaign promise of criminal justice reform. No neighborhood is safe in New York City right now. Random attack on a four-year-old boy in broad daylight in the heart of the city. The suspect, a man who's been arrested at least 40 times before. With just days on the job, Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg is changing how some crimes will be prosecuted. He says he'll stop seeking prison sentences for some criminal charges and will downgrade some felony charges. A brutal attack on a woman walking down the sidewalk, knocked to the ground with a single punch. Her attacker was arrested 40 times before. The last five hours, we've had three shooting incidents in the northern part of Manhattan. In less than 42 hours in the city over the weekend, five men were fatally shot or stabbed across three boroughs. It was a violent holiday weekend around the city, leaving five people dead. New NYPD data shows felony transit crimes are on the rise. Three subway murders have been recorded in the past two weeks alone. A 15-year-old is the latest fatal victim in the New York City subway system. Police say the stabbing was unprovoked and the victim was ambushed by an unknown suspect while exiting a northbound four train. So you just heard there a little bit about what has happened in New York, specifically Manhattan, since the George Soros-installed district attorney, Alvin Bragg, has come on board. Since he won that election, and now, of course, he has indicted President Trump. We know that's in the news, and that's happening. It's flimsy, but maybe it flies. Who knows? So what are the Democrats going to say? Here's Jerry Wadler. In a few minutes... 
The House Judiciary Committee will convene what the chairman calls a field hearing. It may have some of the trappings of a hearing. We will have opening statements and witnesses and the members who will ask questions. But don't be fooled. This is not a serious exercise. This is a political stunt. I was the chairman of the committee for four years, and I took that solemn responsibility seriously. I know what a real hearing and real oversight looks like. That is not what we are going to see today. This hearing is being called for one reason and one reason only, to protect Donald Trump. And yes, I do know his name is actually Jerry Nadler. I prefer to call him Wadler. So it becomes Donald Trump's fault. It's always Donald Trump's fault. Every time they come back to Donald Trump. But what about, what about all that crime? Are we really a country, a nation of laws? Are we still going to uphold the laws that we put on the books that we voted for? Or are we just going to allow this to happen in our country? And so is it politics? Yeah, obviously. Obviously it's politics. They're politicians. It, like I said earlier, it's time to go on offensive. And, and here is a little bit of offensive from the Republicans and Jim Jordan. But the Democrats didn't stop right there on the Donald Trump train. They kept going. Of course, there's Adam Shifty Schiff. We always have to go to Adam Schiff and those big bulging eyes. And here's what he said. And as he said it, the people in the crowd weren't going to have it. They had had enough, and there is a little bit of an eruption, and someone has to be removed. Instead, it is the GOP leadership in Congress doing what it has done best for the last six years, and that is to act as the criminal defense counsel for Donald J. Trump. Well, let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. Capitol Police, gentlemen, will suspend. Capitol Police. Cap Capitol Police will remove the gentleman let, let, from the audience. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. Gentlemen, gentlemen. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. I just wanted to play that until you heard him say, hopefully you heard it. It was, it was low on the audio, but he called uh, Schiff a scumbag. And of course they removed him. And there were, there were more protests in the hallway of this as well. And again, this hearing happened in Manhattan. But what were the Republicans really trying to do? Jim Jordan says this. In this country, justice is supposed to be blind, regardless of race, religion, or creed. However, here in Manhattan, the scales of justice are weighed down by politics. For the district attorney, justice isn't blind. It's about looking for opportunities to advance a political agenda, a radical political agenda. Rather than enforcing the law, the DA is using his office to do the bidding of left-wing campaign funders. He's taken a soft on crime approach to the real criminals. I'm going to get to some of the victims of these crimes in Manhattan here in just a minute. We're going to hear from them. But before we do, here is Congressman Matt Gates from Florida about the George Soros DAs across this country. And in those cities, how high the crime rate has gone up. I had a uh, conversation with Matt Palumbo, who wrote the book on George Soros. And if you'd like to hear more of that, please go to the archives and please find Man Behind the Curtain. That's what that episode is called about George Soros and how he puts DAs into offices across the country. Alvin Bragg is one of those, but let's hear Matt Gates. And I have to address this matter of, of crime rates that my colleagues keep talking about. And to the extent that there is an impact on crime rates in major cities, I would suggest that that is exactly what you get 
with the Sorosization of the United States justice system, and in places like New Orleans, Louisiana, in places like Tampa, Florida, in Jacksonville, Florida, in Tucson, Arizona, increasingly George Soros is putting in upwards of $40 million to elect 75 uh, DAs to be able to engage in these downgrades. And by the way, not only are they downgrading the violent things, they can't even win the cases they try. Let's talk about Alvin Bragg. He's a woke, progressive district attorney with no different than any other progressive DA in our country right now. He was elected as a Manhattan DA in 2021. His policy should not be surprising, given that he was heavily supported by Black Lives Matter's PAC that was directly funded by George Soros. In fact, George Soros donated $1 million to that PAC less than a week after endorsing Bragg. Under the guise of helping people of color, he causes them more harm with his pro-criminal policies. Since Bragg has taken office, New York City residents are worried about increasing threats of violence. Now let's move on to some of the victims here in New York City since Alvin Bragg became the DA in Manhattan. Again, this is testimony under oath. Just like any other day, I took pride in the hard work I put in every day at the store to earn my own money and support myself and my family. That is when I encountered a true and real threat to my life. After I simply told a woman that she could not have potato chips because her payment was declined. I was face to face with her boyfriend, who seemed ready to kill me. He attacked me violently, threw me around the store. The woman stabbed me herself. I truly believed they were there to kill me. So faced with this, I did what I knew I had to do to save my life. What the law, what the law allows me to do to save my life. I stabbed that man in self-defense. But when the police came, even though I was injured myself, I was placed under arrest. I was taken to jail. That is the spokesman for the bodega worker in New York. If you remember the video, I'm sure you probably have seen that gentleman was tossed around in that bodega and then he was arrested. Just one of the three or four victims that testified. Another one was the mother of a 35-year-old gentleman that is a father of three. He's married, a former U.S. military in the Army sergeant, and he was murdered by four people. When Bragg took office, two of them ended up getting off on nothing. They're under probation for a year. The other two, 20 years to life. But she doesn't feel she has justice, and she's not happy about it. I don't hear anyone else talking about President Trump except from the people from the other side. From the other side of where? The other side of the moon, the other side of the world, the other side. Whatever that is. Let me tell you something. Victims can care less about anyone's political ideology or party. Neither do criminals. They don't go up to a person and ask them if they're a Democrat or a Republican before they bust them in the head, okay? Or before they push them in front of a train. Or before they, they stab them to death. These are real life people that we're dealing with. We pay you guys. Our tax dollars pay you. You work for us. We do not work for you. 
you have the Democrats who are making this about Donald Trump and a big production. That's all this is. You have victims in the middle being stuck in the middle between these politicians, both on the left and the right, trying to make their political points. The victims are real. And you heard that. You see that in these hearings. The Democrats, you know, when you when you consider the Democrats questioning these victims, it's it's sad. And to to start this, I want to I want to shine some light on a guy by the name of Hank Johnson, who, in my opinion, and in, I'm not alone. A lot of you stand with me on this. This guy's just not real bright. He let's I'm going to take you back. I'm going to take you back uh, several years ago to his questioning on Guam. Do you remember this? And I hope he wasn't serious, uh, but I think he was. Widest level is what, 12 miles from he's, shore to he, shore? He's trying to tell you that it's a small island. Smallest, it's, it's 12 miles. Uh, the smallest area is seven miles. It's, it's a struggle uh, to listen to it. Seven miles uh, between one shore and the other. Okay, it's small. It's small. Uh, I don't have the exact uh, dimensions, but uh, to your point, sir, I think Guam is a small island. Very small (laughs) island. And and he is questioning Admiral Willard of the U.S. Navy. So 24 miles long, about... 24 miles long, 7 miles wide at his shortest, at his narrowest position. Now listen to the argument that Hank Johnson is going to make. This is a Democrat that is in this hearing that is going to question the entire hearing in a few minutes. So I want you to understand the intelligence of Hank Johnson. square miles that that is? Do you happen to know? I don't have that. Uh, figure with me, sir. I can certainly supply it to you if you'd like. Yeah, my my fear is that uh, the whole island will uh, become so overly populated that Listen. it will tip over and, uh, and capsize. The island's going to capsize. Uh, the Guam population, I think, currently <laughs> about 175,000, and again, with 8,000 Marines in their Okay, so Hank Johnson, Democrat from Georgia, he believes he's from Atlanta originally, and that's who he represents. So he thinks that Guam could possibly tip over if more people go to Guam. If more people live there, it's small. It took him two minutes to tell everyone that it's 200 square miles, and it's a very small island, and he's afraid that it's going to sink or it's going to capsize because people are on it. Now let's go to his questions. The Republican witnesses who have used their time to criticize District Attorney Bragg have served as props in a MAGA Broadway production. The real purpose in coming to New York City. Can we have order? The real purpose in coming to New York City. Gentlemen, we'll suspend. Stop the clock. Gentlemen, we'll suspend. I've... For the audience, I've said several times now that the committee has to be in order. If if anyone continues, then we're going to have to escort some people out. Please don't talk. Uh, down. So please don't talk down to us, witnesses. Please. He is actually a U.S. congressman, and people actually voted for him, and he actually won. That is Congressman Hank Johnson. But again, I want to point out that the Democrats 
are only making the victims the issue because it's only about Donald Trump. It's not about what these people are actually living through, what the people of New York have to go through. And it's not just New York. It's other major cities across the country. But let's not make the issue about what the real problem is. Let's make the problem about Donald Trump. Let's make it a charade. And to finish this off in this point is going to be Congressman Dan Goldman. I call him Toolbag. And he is going to come into question again with Miss Brame. She is the mom of the 35-year-old military man that was murdered by four people. So let's let Dan Goldman, the tool bag, get into this conversation with her. This is a charade to cover up for an abuse of power that they are going around talking incessantly outside of this hearing about Donald Trump. And the purpose of this hearing is to cover up for what they know to be an inappropriate investigation. Now, I look forward, many of you are Can I in respond New York City. To you, no, not right now, because I only have 20 seconds. I'm sorry. But I, I do Don't want to. Don't insult talk. my intelligence. That, uh, you're uh, not hang on, hang on. The gentleman's talking. I'm not insulting you. You're trying to insult me like I'm not aware of Ms. what's going Ms. on Brand. here. Thank you. Okay? I'm, I'm fully aware of what's going on here. Gentlemen, we'll suspend. Okay? Gentlemen, gets another 15 seconds. Thank you. That's why I walked away from the plantation of the Democratic Party. Committee will be in order. So there you have a couple of the hearings that are going on right now in the 118th Congress. And again, I'm going to come back to the question that I asked at the beginning of the hour. Are the Republicans going to have the backbone? Come on, Kevin McCarthy. It is time to impeach Mayorkas. The other political hearings that you're having, it's fine. Mayorkas is low-hanging fruit. Why is it so important? Well, we have huge enemies in this world. It's not just left and right. It's not conservative, liberal. It's not Republican, Democrat. We have huge enemies in this world, and one of those is China. Did you know that experts are saying that China is hoarding a massive amount of food and that soon they'll have over two-thirds of the globe's corn reserves, over half of its rice, and over half of the wheat? But when asked about that, China just lies about it every time. One expert says they, of course, will never admit to something like that. What does China know that we don't? When it comes to global food shortages, China, they're the canary in the coal mine, you see. China is the world's number one food importer. They rely on the rest of the world to keep their people fed. So they can't afford to mess up. There's 1.4 billion people. Imagine if they couldn't eat. There would be riots, civil panic, and even worse. But what does it mean for Americans like us, like you and me? Just two simple words, and those words are food shortages. Can you imagine what would happen with food shortages? Are you prepared? That's why a smart idea is to stock up on a kit of the best-selling Four Patriots survival food. Create your own stockpile of the best-selling Four Patriots Survival Food Kits. They're hand-packed in the USA. The kits are small. They stack real easy. They have different delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners. And their five-star reviews on the website rave about the flavor and taste. Go check them out now at fourpatriots.com. You can also get 10% off your first purchase of Four Patriots Survival Food by typing in the code out loud at checkout. Go do that right now at fourpatriots.com. Type in the word out loud for a 10% discount at 4Patriots.com. And more of Our Lives and Politics is coming up in just a moment on the America Out Loud.
Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution, Cofix RX. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix RX nasal solution cleanse. That's cofixrx.com. Save 20% by using promo code out loud at cofixrx.com. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe, air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, and sleep deep. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off off your first order risk-free love it or your money back guaranteed healthycell.com code out loud it was henry wadsworth longfellow that said lives of great men all remind us we can make our lives sublime and departing leave behind us footprints on the sands of time America Out Loud Talk Radio, liberty and justice for all. Welcome back to Our Lives in Politics here on the America Out Loud Radio Network. I'm Booker Scott, and we just spent a half hour on some hearings that are taking place right now. But over the last several years, there have been many hearings about Section 230. And Section 230 is one thing that so many of us say it should just be abolished. But really, should it? You know, I don't know. I don't have all the answers. And when I don't, I try to find people that that can shed some light on it to educate us. And I'm going to bring in right now to the program, Jason Fick. Jason is an American patriot that has actually sued the U.S. government over Section 230 and really has marched that thing. uh, One of those cases, I believe, has gone all the way to the Supreme Court or close to it, or maybe they denied it. I'm not sure, but we're going to get Jason to tell us all about that. Jason, welcome to Our Lives in Politics. Thanks for having me. And let's get started first, making it real simple. As simple as you can, let everyone know what exactly Section 230 is. Okay, so simply it is essentially two protections that the government gave to technology companies. The first is is that they can't be treated as someone else for somebody else's content. 
right? They can't be held accountable for the substance of somebody else's content if they had nothing to do with it. The second element of it is it does give them limited liability protection to specifically remove what would be considered uh, objectionable content, at least in good faith, right? It's, it, there is a me measure of motive there. Those are the two things that this law is supposed to do, but that's, of course, not what's happened. And Jason, when we go look at Section 230, we realize that that's, what, 27, eight years ago when they started Section 230. The Internet has changed a lot since then. Has, should the law be changed? Should it be abolished? Well, see, there's a lot of different arguments when it comes to that. But my opinion is, is that it doesn't need to be abolished. Obviously, you know, I'm sure you've heard of the, the Constitution, right? It's a document that's, what, 250 years old? Well, the Constitution still holds because the principles are still foundational. That's really what Section 230 should have been, a foundational, the two elements that I said in the very beginning here, which is they should not be treated as someone else and that they should have some ability, you know, to remove content that is in good faith really bad, right, without facing liability. Uh, it's not a necessary protection because in reality, if they remove bad stuff, nobody would hold them accountable anyhow. There still has to be what's called a cause of action. They still have to break the law. But that's not really what's going on. So saying to just abolish it, well, we still don't want a, a company to be held accountable for what somebody else did, right? I mean, that makes all the sense in the world, right, fundamentally. Sure. But what's happened with the courts is – and I'm, I'm kind of oversimplifying. We, we've, we've located why it happened. But essentially, the courts have, have essentially interpreted it that they themselves can't be treated as themselves. Well, now think about that. If you can't be treated as yourself and you can engage in any type of publishing, right, in a secondary capacity, not, not the original publisher, but a second one, that means you could do anything you want, right? And they are. Because you <laughs> just can't be – exactly. <laughs> and that is what we're saying is it, that's, that doesn't make any logical sense. And that's because they have conflated the publisher or speaker, which is another content provider, with a publisher or speaker, which could be any provider or user. And that, that's one of those situations where we have to go by what's called the letter of the law, right? The Supreme Court has told all – everybody. We have to give every term meaning and to avoid duplications whenever possible. So our argument this entire time has been – do what the text says. Do what the law says. So think about that. Are we going to need to remove the law? Because the law says what it says. It's not the it's not the law's fault. It's the court's application outside of what it says. I mean, they're not legislatures, and they shouldn't be legislating from the bench. Jason, when did you start this process uh, suing the United States government? Uh, probably when some people were children. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, in truth, Facebook has messed with me since 2014 really, really badly. 2018, we sued Facebook. We took it all the way to the Supreme Court, and we said the 230C1, which is that first element, does not protect the conduct of the content – or excuse me, of, of the interactive computer service provider, the, the, the Facebooks, Facebook. Googles, yeah. and Twitters. Mm -hmm. Right, right. So if it doesn't protect their conduct, we said that since day one, and we said – their conduct was illegal, was anti-competitive. Well, the court came along and said, well, you can't treat them as Facebook. Only well, we took that case all the way to the Supreme Court. 
Supreme Court denied us. So then another case comes along, this case called Enigma versus Mauerbytes, and they said, well, wait a second. Anti-competitive blocking is not allowed under the Good Samaritan general provision. Now, most people have never even heard about that part. Never, never. I haven't. Right. Because it's lit- like the actual title of this is called Protection for Good Samaritan Blocking and Screening of Offensive Materials. That's the general provision. They're supposed to be good Samaritans, right? Well, that's the overall motivation to the entire statute. They're supposed to be the good guy, but they weren't. And we went back to the ninth, to the Northern District of California a second time. So most people don't do that. And we said, wait a second, this conflicts with – if you can't be treated as a publisher and there's no measure motive and you can do anything you want, why is it you can't do anti-competitive stuff because it violates the general provision? Then the, the, the courts did the craziest thing I've ever seen. They split C1 and C2 into almost separate statutes. Instead of fixing it, they completely botched it. And we took that back up to the, to the Ninth Circuit. We said, wait a second. This doesn't even make sense. Either the general provision applies generally, meaning the whole statute, mm-hmm. you have to be a good guy, or it's wrong. Well, you know what the Ninth Circuit did? They said, oh, you didn't file timely enough and dismissed. They hit me on procedural. They yeah. didn't want to hear it. Yeah. Right? Not surprising. Course, Not surprising in the exactly. Ninth Circuit. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We're seeing that a lot of the with this with the judiciary is they don't actually want to do this stuff. They just want to, you know, kind of stick it to us. And well, we went back to the Supreme Court a second time and we said, look, we've now narrowed this down to conduct versus content. Right. This we're not. I never was holding Facebook accountable for the substance of my own content. That makes no sense. I was holding them accountable for their conduct in removing my page and soliciting a new owner, restoring the page for that owner, and and basically acting in an anti-competitive manner. Well, we couldn't get anybody to listen to us, but yet, even though we were just denied by the United States Supreme Court, do you know that the Department of Justice is arguing and even suing Google under an antitrust right now? The same thing we sued for. Are they making the same argument? Basically, the only difference being is, is that they use the Sherman Act, which is a federal level, and we use unfair competition, tortious interference, fraud, and extortion under a state-level charge. Same thing. So if the Department and of Justice yet, if the Department of Justice has success, what, what could that mean for you and your efforts against Facebook? It means, once again, we were right. We've been right since day one, like absolutely 100% right. Now the DOJ is saying the same thing as we are. Uh, Ted Cruz and his amicus, there was a case called Gonzalez versus Google that went to the oral arguments, right, Mm -hmm. in the Supreme Court. They wrestled with these very questions. The only difference is they wrestled with them. We resolved them. We literally showed where it went wrong. And and, uh, even uh, General – was it uh, Attorney General Paxton and his amicus said the same thing. Exactly. The 230C1 does not protect conduct. That right there is the fix. If they recognize that 230C1 does not protect publishing conduct, it's when they're not involved in the conduct at all. They're just the, – the content's there. Somebody else put it there. Somebody else created it. Somebody else developed it. All those things were done by someone else. Then they get protection. That's it. So we don't know what they're going to do. But see, here's the thing is, is that we didn't just stop there. Because what most people don't recognize, and, and let me ask you a simple question. If your content is destroyed, right, removed, mm-hmm. restricted, your pages are gone and so forth, are they, in fact, damaging your property? Tough question. 
It's a t- well, I've, I've had that happen to me, you know, obviously on Twitter. Right. I, it has right. happened. So, so I, exactly. I don't know. Yeah. It's a, that's a tough well, question. Well, let me ask you this. Me. Let me ask you this. If somebody, if a landlord has a rental property and you come out and you um, put your rental, uh, whatever, camper on it, right? Are they allowed to come out and smash the windows and, and trash it because you're not paying the rent? No, no. There's a process. Uh, right. There's a process. Right. They can remove it in good faith. If you go through the process, but the thing is, is that if they smash your vehicle, right, just because it's their property, does that destroy your property? Sure. Yeah, exactly. So if you have your property, your intellectual property, your words, your speech, your, your content, your business, your everything on their property, that does not give them the authority to smash and destroy your property. You get it? I do get that. That that made it no one can <laughs> it made it easy for even go. me to understand. Thank you. There's a maxim of law that says no one should operate their business to the detriment of another. So yes, they can run their business, but just like you can't walk into McDonald's and rob somebody at the cashiers because you happen to own the McDonald's. It makes no sense at all, right? Well, that's what we're doing here is they destroyed my property. They took my stuff away from me. They denied me of my liberty. And and think about it. If they deny me of my life, liberty, or property, what am I entitled to? Yeah. By the Constitution of the United States, what am I entitled to? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you should due, have remedy. Due process. Yes, correct. And a remedy. Bingo. Yeah. Remedy. Now, remedy is where the courts have completely failed. They did not give me a single day in court. No willer arguments. They flat out deny me of all remedy having had my property taken. Now, this is where it gets even more interesting. If the government designs a statute that is a regulatory statute that allows someone to take your property or deny you of your life, liberty, or property in any way, they call that a regulatory illegal taking. It means that the law is allowing, meaning the government is protecting them from taking my property and my liberty away from me. Well, now we got a problem. We've got a due process issue. So what do we do? We filed a case, what's called a constitutional challenge or declaratory action, suing the law itself. We are physically suing Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. Now, the, the government, of course, defends it, so the United States would become the defendant, and the Department of Justice defends it. Ironically, the Department of Justice agrees that as applied, this thing is wrong. So what do the Department of Justice do instead of trying to help us fix this thing? Oh, no. They try to dismiss us saying that we don't have article standing. But let me ask you a real, real simple question here. Did Facebook or Google or Twitter write Section 230? I would think Did not. they write no. the law? No, absolutely well, they, not. <laughs> although nowadays it's one of those, maybe, who knows? <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, I, I hesitate. But no. <laughs> No, but the point is, no, the legislature wrote it, right? And Facebook, in my case, didn't dismiss itself, did it? Who did that? Uh, the, the courts. The courts did, yeah. Exactly. So I sued Facebook for what Facebook did to me. It was the courts and the law itself that denied me of my remedy. So they said I don't have Article Three standing, yet it is the government that essentially immunized this company for taking my life, liberty, or property. Obviously not my life. But in this case, they did take my property. Yes. So the fact that I was denied of all remedy, never given a day in court, I have Article Three standing against them. And and of course, what are we looking at in the United States uh, 
it was the Washington D District Court, uh, D.C. District Court. We have been waiting for a motion to dismiss answer for a year now. They're just sitting on it. It's like this isn't even complicated. It's it, you know what I just explained to you is the entire argument of Article Three standing. The government harmed me, not Facebook. What Facebook did, I sued Facebook for. What the government did to me, I'm now suing the government for. Okay, I understand. So yeah. we're going after the entire law. We're trying to force them to do something. And, of course, the Supreme Court's over here pointing at the legislature. The legislature's supposed to fix it. How do you fix something that's not broke? The so, law's not broke. So they what can't do, apply it right. What do you think, Jason, is, is the overall remedy? Because it is... It's, you know, it's come to censorship with these social media companies and Google, big tech, uh, against all of us as Americans. But what exactly is the remedy? Well, if we want to look at it from the micro or the macro, from the micro, if the courts apply the statute as written, that the, the general provision motivation, the Good Samaritan applies at the threshold. Were they a Good Samaritan? If they could argue that they were a good Samaritan, you go to the next step. The question is, are you treating them as someone else? If that answer is no, C1 doesn't apply anymore. It doesn't protect their conduct. They have to sort that out, right? That's what's called an as-applied challenge because as applied, it's applied incorrectly. And then the second part is then C2 actually comes into play where they have to actually add uh, act in good faith um, to remove specifically objectionable content. I, I believe that that part is unconstitutional, whether it's severable is something that we're arguing in the Supreme Court or not in the Supreme Court, excuse me, in the case against the United States. But if they fix that, the Internet would survive. It would go on. Of course, you know, there's the sky is falling big tech people because they're like, yeah, because we're going to lose a lot of money. Yeah, because you shouldn't have had it in the first place. Right. You've wiped out all your competition under the protection of the government while the government is, is literally instructing them what to do. It's bizarre. And, and it's, it's a crisis for all of America because free speech on the internet is dying if they don't fix this. Yeah. Outside of that, the, the more macro fix, you know, the, if we want to go really big, how do you want to fix it? Replace all the judges. Yeah. <laughs> all luck. of them. Good luck. We just tried that. I, I didn't say it was possible, <laughs> but, but the point is, is that, I mean, they're just not doing their jobs and it's too hard to go after them. And, you know, I, you can even say that you're willfully denying me of my rights, and they'll still do it. They don't care. It's it's mind blowing how the, the the country has has just degraded in its judicial. Like, there's no. I mean, they say, "Oh, we're going to lose faith in our judiciary." I way long long time ago lost faith in them. Yeah, and I'm with you on that as well. Yeah, let's let's kind of pivot a little bit. And I, sure. I I want to do a program. I want to do a show soon, very soon, on the Restrict Act. Um, so a lot of you listening right now will know that as the TikTok ban, but it's so much more than that. And in fact, it has very little to do with TikTok. Uh, what are your impressions it, it, on that? Well, it, it shouldn't be called the TikTok ban. It should be called the apocalypse. It, it it really is. I mean, either that or rename it the Restrict the Constitution Act, because that's really what it does. I mean, people are trying to say that it, it equates somewhat to the Patriot Act, or they, you know, it's like twice as bad as the Patriot Act. It's a hundredfold. It's way worse. The elements of this this act, and I've read the whole thing and, and I went through it. It is so scary. And I'll try to kind of boil it down for everybody. What they're saying is, is that if you are working as a foreign adversary 
working with a foreign adversary in any way, shape, or form, the Commerce Secretary can identify potentially, um, you know, like Homeland Security kind of issues, and they can send it up to the president, and the president would have unilateral decision-making to determine whether or not you're a threat and to wipe out all of your your community, you know, your social media. Um, they could fine you up to a million dollars. They could even put you in jail for 20 years, essentially, if you say the wrong things. Now, people would argue, well, yeah, but that's just if you're working with foreign adversaries. Well, they called Trump a, a Russian agent, mm -hmm. and that proved to be completely untrue, correct? Correct. Yes. So – it is not a big leap for the government to just go from foreign to domestic. So you're not a foreign terrorist. You're just claimed as a foreign terrorist because, of course, the president can unilaterally just determine that. And here's the better part. You can't FOIA request it, and you can't challenge it. So you could end up in jail without being able to FOIA request the information and without being able to challenge it. It is insanity. Like if this passes in conjunction with what, what's really concerning is obviously if we go back to the 230 fight with the Supreme Court looking at Gonzalez versus Google, that case was a domestic terrorism case. Why did they take a terrorism case? What I'm concerned about is, is that they're going to deem that terrorism content that's recommended is like some sort of isolated thing where they then say that if you say the wrong things on the internet, you will be deemed a foreign adversary, your money will be taken from you, and you will be thrown in jail at the president's whim. And people go, yeah, but Trump's going to be the president. I don't care. I don't right. care who's the president. Yeah. No individual should have that authority, period. We are losing the idea that the people are in charge. I mean, they're called public servants for a reason. Because they're our servants. We are the masters. But there's so many people, I mean, it, it, you know, you can see somebody like sort of slapping themselves on the butt going, yeah, you know, govern me more, daddy. Right. It's bizarre. Yeah. Like, why do you want more restriction? This is a but very, very, it's yeah. a, it's a dangerous, dangerous piece of legislation. And it's our senators and our Congress that is passing this. And it's, yes. it's just bizarre that are they reading it? Do they understand? Do they understand what just happened on January 6th? And there are prisoners, political prisoners still in jail today, uh, two, three years later, because they walked on the grounds of the Capitol and are deemed dom domestic terrorists. And, and, and you see a bill like this just doesn't make any sense. And we're going to get into more details on it on a future program. But what are your, what are your thoughts about, about these senators and these congressmen that, that are just passing this stuff? Well, the perception is, is that we have allies, that we have people that are looking out for our interests in Congress and, and the Senate. I don't believe we do. I think that our government and our judiciary, all, all three branches of government, are so far off the rails at this point I'm not sure if it's recoverable. I really don't. I, I'm, I hate to be a pessimist, and, and trust me, I will fight no matter what. Like, I will fight this into the ground to my die because I know what a government that is out of control. I mean, we, we watched that one in Nazi Germany, right? A government that's out of control that doesn't respect the sanctity of life. They don't care about anything. They just want to dominate the world. Now they have enough technology that there is no stopping them. And that's terrifying.
And people you know, need to really pay attention. This platform is America Out Loud, and what we do is speak the truth, and we do it every day, 365 days a year. And great American patriots like you, Jason, you're just one person, but you're out there and you're making a yep. difference. You're doing everything you can, and we try to motivate people to do that. And Jason, I just want to thank you for coming on Our Lives in Politics. I, I really appreciate you having me on, and, and I think what you're the best point to understand here is it's death by a thousand paper cuts. If there's enough of me, enough of people like me, enough people like you, we keep at them and we keep at them and we slowly bleed them out. And, and if I, if you don't mind, I just like to mention uh, socialmediafreedom.org is our website. We are fighting for your freedoms online. We are a 501c3. Again, at socialmediafreedom.org. There's lots more information on Section 230. There's you know lots of stuff that you know we are fighting for everyone's freedom. And legitimately, not, you know, I'm not out there trying to cloud chase. All I care about is I want my freedoms back. I, I'm tired of them being taken away from me. Sometimes it feels like the sky is falling, but you know, there is hope for us. You're just one person. So's Jason. So am I. But we can make a difference. We say it all the time on this network and on this platform. We say, get loud and get involved. Get activated. Get busy. You can make a difference. You really can. I'm Booker Scott, and thank you so much for joining us here on Our Lives in Politics. We'll talk, we'll talk again next week. Between now and then, remember, you are the salt of the earth, so be salty. You've been listening to Our Lives in Politics on the America Out Loud Network. <laughs>